0: All right. Well, if there are about 500 people in this room for about 20 minutes, that's a full man week of your time. And I'm going to make it as worthwhile as I possibly can because your time is your most valuable asset. And that brings us to what's going on with the whole digital landscape. Consumer preferences are fundamentally changing, and I'm going to come bring you some data. You may not think of Adobe as the data powerhouse, but in fact, we are behind the technology of all of the data collection on most of the web. And that comes from our analytics solution in the marketing cloud. So what I'm going to show you is based on millions, billions, or trillions of actual observed behaviors. Now, who here hates data? Okay, you're lying. I know it. I'm going to admit, I kind of hate data and I'll tell you why. The reason why I hate data sometimes is that it is actually being used as if it is the lead actor, as if it speaks for itself. It doesn't do anything. It is a scene. It is a setting. It is the backdrop of what we're going to talk about. But what you want to take away from this is what are you going to do with it. It's not telling you what to do. It's just providing you the scenery. So let's look at what's going on. First of all, Pokemon. We've heard about Pokemon at least once today that I've been in the audience. This came out of nowhere and it grew to be over 4.4% increase in prices. 227% increase in sales volume in one month. That's the environment that we're living in. And the reason why is because people want to experience the digital and the physical worlds together. There's really no difference anymore. They want to spend less time on routine tasks. Let me introduce this concept for just a second. We are releasing in the United Kingdom, actually we're supposed to release it today, and I'm going to show you this data even though it wasn't actually released today. We're releasing what's called the Digital Price Index. This is based on looking at billions of shopping cart visits and tracking prices. When we look at grocery prices in the U.K., what we find is that people are wanting to spend more and more online on, on routine tasks like grocery shopping. In fact, recently, just here in Hamburg, I saw a click and collect on one of the windows. This is because people don't want to spend time on routine tasks anymore. They want to get done all the things that they have to do so they can get on the fun things that they want to do. And they want to get away from crowds. This is data that shows where people wanted to go on vacation. And you'll notice that this laying at the beach or fine dining in the big cities was not where the growth was this year. In fact, it was much more active vacations with nature and camping and getting away from it all. And then there's entertainment. And entertainment is fundamentally changing. You probably know that. But nobody knows that better than my son. So I'm going to have him come up on stage. And we're going to talk about entertainment. Lincoln? OK, this is the first for me. <laughs> uh, uh, Lincoln is nine. He is the future. <laughs> And uh, he agreed to come and get on stage with me. And I don't know that I've ever been at any conference that brought a nine-year-old on stage. (laughs) So we're gonna take this opportunity. We're going to take this opportunity to talk about virtual reality, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Right. So Lincoln, we were in the car, we were talking about virtual reality, and you shared with me your thoughts about Oculus Rift and HTC Vive. So tell the audience, and look at the audience, okay, that, there they are. <laughs> tell the audience what, uh, what you think about these two. Well, um, first of all, um, the Oculus Rift only brings in your eyes, but the HTC Vive also um, brings in your hands to this virtual world and that's why I think that the HTC Vive is better and it's also a lot newer. Yeah, but we haven't really actually played with one yet, right? No. No. Do do you think they're going to be big at Christmas? What? Will they be big? (laughs) Yep. Is Santa going to bring a lot of HTC Vibes this year to kids? No. No, why not? Because I don't think he knows how to make them yet. Oh, okay. Santa doesn't know how to make a, a vibe. All right, well, VR. VR and AR. Um, obviously, the future, these folks, they're looking forward to this. This might be very disorienting for me, uh, and I like the physical world that I grew up in that I know and love, but he, he thinks differently. Let's talk about video for a minute, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he was actually, uh, during the other speaker, sorry to, sorry to say this, but he was watching um, his iPad. Oh, I know, I know. It's okay, honey. You are playing Minecraft. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what do you watch when you when you pick up your iPad? What do you want to do with it? I want to watch videos and play games and stuff like that. Okay. And then, how do you watch those videos? Well, well, which application do you open? YouTube. YouTube. Okay. Well, why do you open YouTube? because YouTube does give a lot more content than TV does. Right. In fact, more um, more things are posted into YouTube in 60 days than CBS, MBS, and ABC combined in 60 years. Mm. <laughs> All right, so. So it's really all about fresh content for you, right? Yeah. And, and when you're watching that, um, I, I happen to, you know, maybe I'll just throw out a little bone to you here. Talk about the diamond minecart. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like about the diamond minecart? Well, he just does things. Well, specially. tell the audience what he does. Well, he does um, a lot of gameplay videos. Um, gameplay videos. Yeah. This is the future of entertainment, and this is what this stadium is. Thank you so much. You did great, bud. All right. This is this is what's going on right now. This is actually not a rock concert. This is people watching League of Legends going on, so these esports and watching gaming and gaming watching on YouTube, uh, this is really the active wave of entertainment. You might not think it's very active to watch people play games, but once you have virtual reality on, and by the way, those virtual reality headsets now do let you go into an esports arena so that you can sit in a stadium and watch people play games. And to me, this is totally foreign. But to the future, this is entertainment. I'm going to stop here with one, one note. This is actually a warehouse in Utah, believe it or not. We have this already. It costs $30 for a half hour to go play in this environment. And I just want to note that I do like my look in virtual reality. It's that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to shoot for that. All right, let's talk, for, talk about what's going on. Right now, consumers are all about experience. In fact, we're not consumers anymore. We're experiencers, and that's what's going on, and that's why the future is going to be so different, because the things that we used to pay attention to buying, we don't actually want to buy anymore. And maybe that's just a generational shift, but I actually think it's going to feed all the way upwards into my generation and above, things like owning a car. Uh, that's not necessarily something that we want to do anymore. Or Owning a house may not be something we want to do anymore. Because there's a lot of overhead and routine tasks involved, and that takes away from our time. And I started off by giving you an example of how, how valuable your time is this week that you're going to spend with me here in this 20 minutes. This is the era of experiences. And what does it mean to you? Well, first of all, it requires an entirely different mi- business mindset. You are not going to be selling a product. You're not going to be selling a solution. You're not going to be selling anything. You're going to be providing an experience. And if you're not already thinking that, start shifting. Start feeling. Start opening your touch, your taste, your, all your senses, because that's actually what people are looking at in the future. I'll give you an example. Here's some information about how comfortable people are with self-diagnosing their health. And I want to make the point, first of all, that health is the very platform of our ability to have experiences. If we don't have our health, we're not going to be able to go out and do fun things, active things, take charge of our lives. Well, you might think this only applies to healthcare, but really, this is what's going on with everyone. Everyone is coming with information about what they think they want, what they need, what they're diagnosing themselves as having and they're coming into your world. And you're going to have to deal with them in digital form, because that's how they're going to come. They're going to come on mobile devices, and you've heard that ad nauseum, so I won't spend too much time on it. But I do want to share with you some data that's in colors that don't exactly work on the slide, but you'll forgive my graphic designers, because it looked pretty on their retinal displays. But basically, desktops are going down, mobile traffic is going up. And in Europe, you're about to switch. You're about to hit the 50% mark. It'll be probably the beginning of 2017, when mobile traffic becomes the predominant amount of traffic on the web. And the sites that are leading the pack, actually, health information, right at the top. Media and entertainment, very much at the top. Um, Automotive, not so much. It's going to take a little while. Here's something that you probably don't know, and it was a surprise to me. The web is not growing. In fact, in Europe, it's starting to shrink. And the reason why is because people are actually not using mobile and desktop. They're switching from desktop to mobile, and they're taking their traffic off of desktop. Now, that has some fundamental implications uh, around whether or not your mobile Uh, presence is good. But it also has some implications around how people are choosing to use mobile. Because mobile is actually not really a thing. It's just what you have at the moment. And because it's now so much more useful to you, with a bigger screen and faster connection, you're picking it more often. It's not always really that mobile, though. Here's information about how applications are being used. As you can see, media applications are almost always used in Wi-Fi mode. That's at places like this. I wouldn't call that mobile. It's actually really much more about being away from a a space where you would traditionally have looked. And that goes back to experiences. The fact that people don't want to sit at a desk anymore. They don't want to actually have routine lives. And lack of routine means you're going to be up and about. And if you're up and about, then you're going to mobile. But what's wrong with mobile? Well, it's too slow. That's why people are on Wi-Fi. This small screen, uh, we just, we're just releasing a new survey, and one of the questions I put into our survey had to do with text font size. Now, who in the room has to wear reading glasses? OK. I don't use mobile apps because they don't Zoom. I can't do this with mobile apps. Right? Yeah. Uh, One of the biggest challenges that designers don't actually even think about is people who have to wear glasses and these mobile devices. And that's actually why I got that big screen, is so that I could see something and I still have to hunt around for my glasses. Online revenue is going to be a bit harder to come by. Here's a couple reasons. And uh, this is something, again, this was data that we were supposed to release today, so it's kind of pre-releasing for you. But we are just starting to work with the Office of National Statistics in the UK. We're working with the Bureau of Labor Statistics in the United States. And we are actually providing the digital price index now to the world. And we're just launching the United Kingdom this this month. And what we were able to do was look at these billions of shopping cart visits and see what happened to some of the durable goods post-Brexit conversation. Now, of course, Brexit hasn't happened, and it's just one data point, so I'm not going to say that it's all that definitive. But I will tell you that the yellow line is computers and, te- and television sales online in the past couple months in the UK versus the United States. That's a little bit troubling that we're starting to see demand fall off so sharply in a period of time that actually doesn't really, it shouldn't really be doing that. So, uh, so there's definitely something psychologically going on in the UK that's causing people to pull back from the bigger, longer-term purchases. Like I said, not definitive, but this is something that will be impacting your marketplace quite soon. Also, the revenue opportunity on mobile is not as good. The reason why is because people don't impulse buy, they don't browse. They're like snipers. They go in and they buy something and they're out. And if you're in the business of trying to sell people on things that they didn't actually know they wanted, it's getting tougher. You've got to actually really convince them to go in and get your thing. And how are you going to do that? Well, you've got to get some visitors, you've got to get some awareness, you've got to have traffic. But that's actually coming at a cost, and we already heard that today too, that the cost is the pay to play. And this is the percentage of website visits that are coming from an advertising channel by country. So you can see that everybody is over 50% now. You just can't get this traffic, which, by the way, is on the decline on desktops, to come to you unless you pay. Now, here's something that was a little bit frightening to me. 50% of the sites in Europe are shrinking, and 50% are growing, and none of them are staying the same. In America, we call that eat lunch or be lunch. And that's exactly where we are right now. There's no middle. You're either shrinking or you're growing. And if you're growing, how are you growing? And this is why data sometimes gets in the way. Sometimes it's a terrible idea to look at data. Because right now, if you look at your social media data, it's going to show you not a whole lot of goodness. Because you're only able to see a little bit of what's happening in social media. But if you look at the sites that are growing, they're 1.7 times more likely to be growing because they have a presence in social media. So I hope that's some encouragement to really get out there and deal with the paid media strategy for social, deal with organic, which is constantly changing, and it's like a war for you. This is obviously not applicable in Asia, but in general, Facebook is the only place you really need to be at the moment. Well, that's good news, because it's really hard to keep up with all these social media channels. Uh, Instagram, though, is on its way up, and so if you're really bold, go with Instagram and Twitter. But advertising, I heard this said before today, too, uh, so I'm glad that I'm I'm on par with what other speakers think. This was me actually clicking in from a Facebook article about a lion and a monkey. And as you can see, I could not figure out how to read the article. It was so cluttered up with ad on top of ad with no navigation that I didn't know what to do. What did I do? Well, I backed out. What do other people do? They install an ad blocker. Because when this happens on mobile and you're paying for data, it really pisses you off. So advertising as we know it is going to die. That's my prediction. I'm looking at the tea leaves the way that I do. And I will tell you that when we look at ad saturation, what we see is not very much willingness to see something that plays automatically, for example. In fact, the video stuff is really quite annoying for people, the video ads. And I love video, as I I showed you a video, because video is cool. It's engaging. It's fun. And it's an experience, and yet, These automatic-playing videos are not working out so well. And as you just heard from the future, my son, content is the thing. Internet of Things. Let's talk about that for a minute. Internet of Things is going to be mission-critical. And I'm going to show you... Does anyone have a kid like I do? Right? Yeah? Okay, good, most of you. Um, Do you remember when they were a baby, and they cried a lot, and you got no sleep? Remember that? So think about this and think about how your life would have been different if you had this. Sleep Guardian stops up to eight out of 10 night terrors. It's a simple Bluetooth enabled device placed under your child's mattress that connects with the mobile application. The Sleep Guardian gently vibrates under the mattress to initiate a healthy sleep cycle that's free of night terrors. Most families start seeing results in week one. Help your child sleep all night. Now, who does not think that's going to be mission critical? I mean, come on. As soon as you get used to having a full night's sleep, if that thing fails, oh, please. It's going to be very bad. And that's what's going to happen with the Internet of Things. We're going to have really high expectations of it. Uh, I brought with me my Internet of Things device. This is my smart water bottle. Yep. Has a chip. It tracks how much I'm drinking. And it alarms when I'm not drinking enough. And I'm starting to actually rely on it. (laughs) If I don't have this, I forget to drink water. That's kind of bad, right? Right? What what happens when the battery runs out? I'm just going to like, it's going to be the Sahara Desert in my mouth. Okay. So I just read an article on BBC that said that people who are wearing Fitbits actually lost less weight than people who would log into their website. So there's definitely this feeling like I'm going to have the Internet of Things and my life is going to be better and it's going to be perfect and I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to be healthier and I'm going to do all kinds of stuff. And the sentiment is off the charts, it's wonderful, life is good until the battery fails, the Wi-Fi connection fails, the mobile device fails, or anything else that's going to be a problem. Now, some of you in the room are going to be building my biggest Internet of Things device, otherwise known as my car. And that's going to start to have a lot of features in it that if they fail, are going to be a really major problem. So, that's where we are going in the future. And it's going to be a little bumpy, but it'll be really fun. I love the future. And am I going to be the eye mom? Maybe. I don't want to be scary, though. This is really an exciting time. And I want to leave you all with a feeling of empowerment, of innovation, of creative thinking, of how you're going to capture this future. And with one final word of wisdom from Kung Fu Panda, because all good things come from Kung Fu Panda. If you only do what you can, then you will only be what you are. So please go out and think about something really great you can do after this conference. Thank you. Thank you, Tamara got one question for you. Um, now seeing your data um, showing that it's going to be hard to get ad revenue and retail, and having heard William and Stephanie about the emerging mobile market in Asia, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that the mobile market is going to be similar to what we see in the United States in that there's less browsing. Uh, There's much more of a desire to just go in and get what you want. Now, the way around that for everyone is to just have people go and shop in microbursts more often. And then we can get the revenue back to what we want it to be and back to what it is on a desktop online, or even maybe what's in store. But overall, it's going to require a very different mindset from all of us in order to build back the model that works. That is why we're here. Thank you, Tamara, for these insights.